Well, good morning, everyone. It's really great to be with you all uh, at City Life Church online. Uh, hopefully you're encouraged, inspired by the message that was shared last week. If you've not heard the prophetic word for 2021, I want to encourage you go back, have a listen to it. I really believe it. it's going to speak to you. Uh, and it's going to really help give you direction moving forward into the year ahead. We looked at uh, 2021 being a year of great opportunity. There are great opportunities that are going to present themselves this year, but we have to get in the right mindset. We can either see obstacle or we can see opportunity. That's what David did, wasn't it? When he came across Goliath, other people saw it as a big obstacle that they couldn't defeat. David saw, wow, this is a big opportunity. We can't miss this. We have to take advantage of this uh, and make the most. And as a result, he walked in victory. And not only did he walk in victory, but an entire nation benefited from his courage to posture himself in faith, but also to take action. And this is a year to take action. Uh, I shared about the importance of us really having a mindset of seeing everyone as a VIP, a very important person. I think this is really important for us. We see this modeled in the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus came across Zacchaeus, the corrupt tax collector, he didn't treat him as his sins deserved. Uh, but he treated him like a VIP. He loved him. He honored him. He blessed him. He welcomed him. And what was the result? Zacchaeus was radically transformed. We see it with a woman at the well. Uh, we see it with blind Bartimaeus. We see it with a woman with the issue of blood. We see it everywhere following Jesus's ministry. He really had a revelation handle on this, that everyone is a VIP. Everyone is loved. Everyone is made in the image and likeness of God. Everyone is a masterpiece from creator God. And I want to encourage you to really embed this in the culture, in your culture. This is kingdom culture. This is not Portsmouth culture or English, British culture. This is kingdom of God culture. This is heaven invading the earth. And so I really want to encourage you to live that out in your families, in your communities, in your church, uh, churches. I know there's other churches that are tuning into these broadcasts as well. So and I really do believe it's going to trigger a revolution of love. Uh, let's have a look at a passage of scripture just to really back that up and reinforce that. John 13, 34 to 35. This is Jesus speaking. And listen to these words, because these are really powerful. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Notice that word commandment is not an option. It's not a suggestion. This is like, guys, you've got to do this. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to be followers of Christ, this is a commandment. This is there's not a kind of an opt out. Uh, this is really important. So listen up, lean in and apply what I'm about to say to you. He says, I'll give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other and your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So this is really powerful when we live it out. And I know we sing about it and we talk about it, but guys, are we living it? God's called us to be people that love 
one another. And it's a powerful witness to the world when they see the community of God loving one another uh, in, in, in practical ways, in simple ways. Guys, I'm not talking about the Hollywood interpretation of love. I'm not talking about the, the fickle, flimsy, feeling-based, uh, fluffy kind of love. I'm talking about the biblical kind. I'm talking about the Jesus model. I'm talking about that sacrificial love. That's where God's calling us uh, to live and, and to be. Now, just quickly, I'm going to look at a few other characteristics of what it looks like for us to have a revolution of love. I really do believe this year God wants there to be a revolution of love in the world. And it's going to come through the church, come through you and me as conduits who are representing Jesus Christ uh, in the earth. God is love. And when we show that love, we're showing off our God. We're representing him. We're spreading that good news. And so this this everyone's a VIP is going to be a real concept that's going to help trigger this revolution of love, I believe. Let's have a look at what it says in Romans 12, 10. It says, be devoted. I love that word, devoted. Be devoted to one another in love. And then it says, honoring one another above yourself. Wow. Are we devoted to one another in love? And are we honoring one another above ourselves? This is a powerful challenge. And this is talking about the family kind of love. Uh, now, some of you might have had negative experiences with your earthly family. And so I want to reinforce here and clarify here. I'm not talking about kind of even an earthly carnal kind of love. I'm talking about the, the right kind of, the biblical kind of, the, how families should love one another as God intended. You know, one of our values here at City Life Church is that we are a family community. Now, are we perfect in this area? No. Uh, have we got areas to improve? Yeah, I think that we're always going to have areas in our life where we need to improve. And so as we each do our part, loving other people, treating everyone as a VIP. And I'm not just talking about when we, you know, uh, within the, the, the walls of a church building. You know, we don't go to church. We are the church. Everywhere we go, we carry God's presence. If you're a believer, if you've invited Jesus into everywhere you go, you carry the presence of God with you and it shifts atmospheres. But, but as we live out what it means to be families, we treat people as VIPs. I really do believe that we're going to see a lot more fruitfulness and we're going to see a lot more transformation. Let's have a look at a few how a few other translations phrase this. Uh, Romans 12, 10, uh, the ESV, English Standard Version, uh, one of my favorite translations of the Bible. It says this love one another with brotherly. You could put sisterly as well. Uh, affection outdo one another in showing honor love that so are we being affectionate towards one another now i know that obviously at this time with masks and restrictions we can't do that to the fullness of what we want to but we can still be affectionate uh we should be known and seen as the most loving community guys i think as well you know sharing that we love one another shouldn't be something that we're embarrassed about like we should tell one another regularly that we love you I love my girls. I love my wife to pieces. Uh, they're a real blessing to me. And I'm not shy in sharing 
those words. I love them. Uh, and I'm often giving them hugs and cuddles and telling them how amazing they are and how proud I am of them. Now, does that mean that they're perfect? Does it mean they, they've got it all together? No, of course not. Uh, they are not perfect. Neither am I. But we should be being affectionate one to another. And then I love that bit. It says um, outdoing one another uh, in showing honor. Are we trying to outdo one another in being honoring towards one another? Like this is almost like a holy competition, like a righteous competition, uh, not a prideful one, but one that we want to implement God's word. And here the challenge is, you know, let's show one. Let's outdo one another in showing honor and honor begats honor. So the reality is we don't honor to get honor back. But the reality is when we honor with a rightful heart, it's like a boomerang. It always ends up coming back to us. Uh, the New King James Version phrases it this way. It says honor giving preference to one another. Do you prefer others above yourself? Uh, or, or if we're honest, are we more self-seeking? Are we always wanting our own way? Do we always default? to Well, what am I getting out of this? Guys, that's not the kind of biblical love that Jesus modeled. It's not the kind of love that Jesus has challenged us, has commanded us to walk in. So let's be people that honor one another, that we treat everyone as a VIP. Uh, what other things represent uh, this culture of honor, this this uh, embodying this notion of everyone's a VIP and that will trigger this love revolution? Um, I believe walking in forgiveness is really important. And I think that this is a very significant thing to mention at the beginning of a new year. So one of the hallmarks of a revolution of love, a culture of honor is walking in forgiveness. It's not something we do once and we sort of ch check it off our list and ah, I've done that, I've forgiven. Now I'm kind of ready for the bigger stuff. No, guys, we're going to have to continually walk in this, this lifestyle of walking in forgiveness. Uh, refuse to let bitter roots uh, bed down. Refuse to let offense grow in your life. You know, treat it like poison. Don't let it into your soul. You know, I heard someone say this, that, that when we uh, uh, don't forgive, it's like we're allowing someone or, or, or it, sometimes it could be organizations or people groups. We're allowing them to live in our head rent free. Guys, you know, we we don't want anyone living in our heads rent free. Only Jesus, you know, should occupy that place fully. Um, someone else said that unforgiveness is like you're the person that you haven't forgiven. It's like you're carrying them on your back and everywhere you go in your life, you're carrying them. with. Guys, it's going to be very tiring. It's really going to weigh you down. So I want to ask you at the beginning of this new year, are you holding on to any unforgiveness? Do you have any ill feeling towards anyone? Maybe bitterness or offense or could even be jealousy. Guys, it's time to let it go. When we don't forgive, we're punishing ourselves. We're hindering ourselves. We stop. We're blocking the blessing, blocking the wells of our own life. And we're actually robbing ourselves from energy, from peace, from joy, from freedom, from liberty. So, guys, let's choose to walk in forgiveness. And when we do that, let's not keep rehearsing, going back over old ground. 
you know, digging stuff up from the past. Guys, when we forgive, let's forgive. It doesn't mean that we, you know, trust everyone. We can forgive people, but people have to earn that trust still. And it doesn't mean we don't have boundaries. It doesn't mean that we uh, don't respect ourselves. We have to respect ourselves. We're not becoming a doormat in forgiving, uh, but we're actually showing great respect for us uh, for ourselves but more importantly for god i love what daniel 9 verse 9 says it says this the lord our god is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him aren't you glad that god is merciful and i'm so glad that god has not given me what i deserve thank god for his mercy uh, and thank God that he forgives me because I've messed up in my life, not just one or two times. I'll be honest, I've messed up many times in my life. So always remember what God has done for you. Uh, Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But and this is a bit a lot of Christians want to cut out of the Bible they want to cross it out. They don't want it there. But this is sobering and it's there and we need to apply it. It says this. <clears throat> but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Someone say, ouch, <laughs> that's sobering stuff. But I hope it, it, it wakens us up, all of us, to realize the importance of forgiveness there's no wriggle space there's no excuse for walking in unforgiveness as a follower of christ it's this scripture is here for our benefit for our peace for our freedom and for our fruitfulness remember forgiveness is an act of faith it's not about a feeling it's not about oh i don't feel like yeah, we can still feel hurt and offended but but we make a decision so i'm choosing to forgive now if you know that there is ill feeling towards someone, if I was to mention someone's name or it could even be a company, some of you may have been let go by your work or had your hours reduced. Some of you might be angry at the government at the moment. Some of you might be angry at the media at the moment. Some of you might be cross with Boris Johnson at the moment, you know, the decisions that have been made. Um, some of you might be, you know, having feuds in the family. Uh, sometimes around the Christmas time, a lot of that sort of stuff comes up. Whatever it might be, I want to encourage you. And we're going to pray in the moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me a prayer of freedom, a prayer of release, a prayer of forgiveness. And I want to encourage you to step out in faith. And if you like one of those people think, oh, I think I've forgiven. I don't think I've got anything. Well, hey, do you know what? Sometimes it's just better just to make sure that there is nothing there. And I found, you know, there's been times where I've had ministry and, you know, I've been, oh, I'm OK, I'm cool. I, I don't need to forgive anyone. And then suddenly next thing, you know, I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm like, oh, I didn't realise that, you know, that there was stuff I was carrying. So we're going to uh, pray this prayer. And I want to encourage you to pray this prayer from your heart, wherever you're at. Pray this prayer with me. Uh, repeat these words after me from your heart. If you want to, if you want to be free, if you want to uh, walk in God's abundant peace and joy and love and unblock some wells as we move into this new year, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Let's bow our heads now in this holy moment and pray. Pray these words after me. Father God, I know. I am not perfect. 
I've made mistakes. I acknowledge that I have sinned and fallen short of your perfect standards. Today, I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin, both past and present, known and unknown. Please forgive me for holding on to any unforgiveness, bitterness or offence. Thank you for your unconditional love for me. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. Thank you for forgiving and cleansing me from all unrighteousness. And today I choose to forgive. And right now, just in this moment, just just pause. This is a holy moment. This is a power. This is a healing moment. This is a transformational moment for many of you that are tuned into this, that are going to apply this. Repeating these words. Today I choose to forgive. And then I just right now, wherever you're at, just begin to speak out those names of people that may have hurt you, offended you, that maybe you've got ill feeling in your heart towards it, you might have bitterness against. And again, it could be a person, might be someone who's living, could be someone who's deceased. It could be a people uh, group. It could be a nation. It could be an organization. It could even be a church. I want to encourage you right now. Holy Spirit, we just pray, speak and minister to every person. And, and highlight, illuminate your truth. Show people where there's maybe areas that they need to forgive. And right now, just say that I choose to forgive and say whatever their name is. I believe as you do that, as you take that step of faith, God's actually going to deal with the feelings, deal with the emotion. There might be times that you've got to repeat this over again. But I believe that God's going to begin to soften and heal your heart. So let's carry on just praying this prayer. Thank you. Uh, I choose to forgive God. I choose to forgive these people, you know, choose to forgive Sally or Johnny or Tommy or Bill or whoever it might be. I choose to forgive that company. I choose to forgive the government. I choose to forgive that nation. I choose to forgive. I choose not only to forgive them, but I choose to bless them. And I choose to release them. I, I choose to, to bless and release all who have ever hurt me or offended me or sinned against you, God, and uh, had a negative effect on me in any way. I choose to forgive because I'm forgiven. I choose to bless because I'm blessed. I choose to release them because I have been set free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, another hallmark of uh, this uh, culture of honour, this revolution of love is about walking in irrational generosity, living with irrational generosity. Now, why do I say irrational? Because in the world, it doesn't make sense to, to God's people. It's rational. It does make sense because in the Bible, we know it's true. We know it works. But to the world, it's seen as irrational. It doesn't make sense. I remember someone once saying this, you can give and not love but you cannot love and not give part of a love love revolution includes a culture of generosity you show me a church that's thriving that's growing that's blossoming and i'll show you a community of people who have a revelation when it comes to generosity and of course we're talking about generosity with every part of our being being generous with words of kindness and compassion being generous with our time being generous to use our gifts and talents to 
bless the church to advance the kingdom of God. And of course, and not forgetting, being generous with our finance. Paul shared about this earlier on. Let's be people that prioritize. Let me ask you a question. Is God first place in your life? And, and I know that often we're like, yeah, 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 God's first place. No, no. Is he really first place in your life? Because one of the indications of God being first place in our life is have we surrendered our finance to him? Is he the Lord of our life or are we honoring ourselves above God? You know, Paul said it earlier on, you know, let it be the first thing that you do, that you honor God, that you say, God, your first place, your dreams more important than my dream. Your house is more important than my house. You know, your passion, your love, your desires are way more important than anything I want to do. And there's something supernatural that happens when we get our foundations right and we build upon biblical principles. I'm not talking about my ideas, I'm talking about God's ideas. Let's be people that determine that this year is going to be our most generous year yet. We'd be generous with smiles. We'd be generous with reaching out to people. Uh, so many different creative ways that we can be generous. And I want to determine and uh, encourage you to determine in your heart, you know, that you that this is going to be your most generous year. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what does the next level look like for me to be to be even more generous? And whatever God tells you to do, do it. If you're not tithing, I encourage you. This is God's word. What's tithing about? It's basically putting God first in the area of your finance. Uh, you know, for those of you who maybe not giving offerings over and above. Hey, why don't this be the year? Hey, I'm going to start giving offerings over and above. For those of you that are not serving, right, this is going to be the year. I'm going to start serving. Maybe it might be writing cards of encouragement to people. It might be, uh, you know, th ringing three people a day, you know, or sending them a message of encouragement. Uh, there's so many. I heard someone, you know, uh, was baking cakes for people. Yeah. So many different ways. Maybe you want to sponsor a child with compassion. Amazing thing to do. So many different ways. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. But but I want to encourage you, do it before the end of today. If you're going to procrastinate, procrastinate tomorrow. But get on. Let's be people of faith and action and do whatever God's telling you to do to bring things into alignment. I love what John Wesley, the revivalist, said. He said uh, he, he said this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you can. Love that. Um, we're going to be looking at over the next uh, few weeks a new series that, that we're um, going to be unpacking, which I really believe will speak and is really relevant for this time. Uh, let me ask a question. Have any of you seen the documentary on Netflix called Free Solo? Uh, if you have, you know, go into the chat and let us know. It would be great to hear that. If you've not seen this, I'd actually recommend this. It's a really good one. I actually saw this um, documentary uh, when I was flying a couple of years ago on an airplane. Uh, Free Solo is a story of a, a rock climber called um, Alex Honnold, and he has this quest to climb El Captain's front face in Yosemite. Um, listen to this with no ropes. I mean, this is a crazy rock face. And he has this mission, this task, this challenge to climb it with no ropes. One slip and he's a goner. He's dead. 
and he takes on this challenge. It's really exhilarating. It's quite scary. Um, it's challenging. Um, and many said it would be impossible, but he did it. And so it's a, there's lots of lessons. But anyway, we're, we're, this really inspired me. And I was thinking about this when God laid this uh, sermon series on, on my heart. So this series we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks is called The Climb. The Climb, where my Talia put together a little image for this that hopefully will pop up on the screen. So we're going to be looking at The Climb. Uh, this year, there is going to be some steep terrain that we're going to have to navigate to climb. Uh, there's going to be some steep, intimidating mountains to face. But I want to encourage you today to, to say that whatever you might come up against with God, I believe that you can and you will overcome them. And I believe that the climb uh, will actually help make you spiritually stronger, mentally stronger, physically stronger. It's going to make us more adventurous in faith, more agile in our spirituality and better equipped for the journey of life. I want to ask you, have you got your mountaineering boots on ready for the climb? I believe that this year we're going to go to new heights, higher than we've ever been before. Uh, so just first of all, let's just look at a few. What, what does some mountains represent? What, what do mountains represent from a biblical perspective? And we're just going to look at a, a few quick things uh, before we uh, close today's service. So the first thing and I want to encourage you to write this down or put it in Evernote or whatever app taking note you might uh, uh, note taking app that you might be using. So what do mountains represent from a biblical perspective? We're going to look at just a few quick things. First of all, it represents challenges, tests and adversity. Challenges, tests and adversity. You know, Elijah, I think about Elijah in 1 Kings 18 and facing the 450 prophets of Baal. It was a fierce test. But Elijah, he, he faced his enemy. He faced his adversity head on. He didn't run from them, but he trusted God. God's fire fell. God did an amazing thing. He didn't compromise. He didn't uh, uh, back down, but he represented his God. And as a result, God gave him a mighty uh, victory before promotion. Remember, there's always some kind of test. If you were to put a label on the test that you're currently in, what would that label say? And I want to say that whatever the test is, what would it look like for you to pass this test from God's eyes? Because God's equipped you. We have the best teacher, the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit illuminating this truth. He will help us pass every test. What else does mountain do mountains represent? Mountains also represent places of divine encounter and heavenly instruction. Divine encounter and heavenly instruction. I think about Moses who went up Mount Sinai. What did he get? He got the Ten Commandments. He got the instructions from God about how to live. Give gave him good, healthy guidelines. Of basically, it's summed up in this: love God and love people, and love yourself in a healthy way. God gave him these instructions, but he got them on Mount Sinai. So these places are places of where we get these divine divine downloads. And I really do believe as we press into God this year, we're going to get some divine downloads. It says about Moses that when he came back down the mountain, that his face shone. You know, he would meet with God face to face as one met with a friend. It was almost like the original FaceTime. And he had such close encounters with God that, that people couldn't look at him the same way. There was this illumination. There was this glow. There was, you know, this this shining, the light. You know, he had to put a veil on because it was so bright. 
And I believe that many of us, people won't be able to look at us in the same way because they'll know that we have encountered God and that we have heard from him. You know, think about as well, Jesus, his famous sermon. Where was it? On the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. What else is a mountain represent? It represents a gateway to greater intimacy with God. How many of you want to be more intimate with God? I know I do. I want to know him more. I want to grow in friendship with God. I think that's one of the, the greatest privileges and honors and, uh, you know, for us and even testimonies to say that we're a friend of God. In Psalm 24, verse three to seven, this is the New Living Translation. It says this, who may climb the mountain? The New King James Version uses hill. Who, who may climb the mountain or the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with their savior. Such people may seek you and worship you uh, in your presence. O God of Jacob, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter so god's calling us to be people that uh grow uh, in that place of intimacy and part of that is walking in holiness walking in reverence for god walking in the fear of the lord and it's not about just doing the right things with our actions it's not about just external but it's also about what's going on in our heart and in our heads it's about us being pure being clean god can clean uh, even the dirtiest of stains of sin in our lives what else does a mountain represent also represents obtaining help and gaining a heavenly perspective how many of you need help at this time i, I need some help and i'm sure there are many out there that need help as well uh, how many of you want to have a better perspective more empowered yeah i do so we can gain help and a heavenly perspective psalm 121 says uh, verse 1 to 2 says this i look up to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So also it helps us when we go up a mountain, we get to see further and wider. We get to see a bigger picture. And this is what happens. We know that our help ultimately comes from the Lord. When we're struggling, it's a good thing to look up. And uh, also when he takes us up to that place, that higher place where we can look down and get a better uh, bird's eye view, a God's eye view of the situation. Uh, mountains also represent blessings and cursings. I think about, you know, when the Israelites crossed over the Jordan and uh, God's instruction was about half the community to stand on Mount Gerizim and half stood on the mountain of Ebal. Um, and they declared blessings and cursings. And then they all said amen to, to, to these declarations, to these commandments, these laws. And, you know, of, of course, God wants us to be blessed. He doesn't want us to, uh, you know, experience negative uh, consequence to our actions. Uh, and of course, we know that Jesus became the curse for us. Galatians 3.13. Love this verse. It says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. He hung on the cross. And so we know that Jesus uh, came to die for us, to break the curse, to give us the blessing that we could walk in the fall. But we still have to choose to walk in that blessing. 
And God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promise, but they still had to contend and claim and take and lay hold of what God had provided. And it doesn't mean that just because that curse has been broken, it doesn't mean that there's not consequences when we choose to break God's laws, when we, we choose to lie, to steal, to cheat. Of course, there's still going to be negative consequences. God's calling us to be people that walk in holiness and in obedience towards him. Two more quick things. Mountains also represent harvest fields, a place where people don't know the Lord and can be reached. So Isaiah 52, seven says this, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus, but it's also talking about you and me as believers as well, responsible for spreading the good news. It says who publish peace, who bring good news of happiness, who publish salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And then the final mountain is this authority. Mountains also represent authority. Many of you may remember when we did our series about the spheres of influence, the mountains in Isaiah 2. Verse two to three, it says this, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. So there's more than one. There are other ones and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk with him. So there are many mountains of influence and authority in the world. God's the ultimate influence. He's the ultimate authority. And one day the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he's Lord. But until then, it's our job to represent him, to be those feet that bring good news, to be the people that bring his peace, that bring his light into whatever spheres, whatever mountains of influence that we might be engaged. We've all been uh, called to, to climb and to engage with these different types of mountain. And these climbs will be challenging at times, but God is with us and he's called us to be a people that lay hold uh, that advance the kingdom of God together. So over these coming weeks, we're going to be unpacking a bit more about what it means to navigate these mountains, to grow, to, to grow stronger, to be better equipped, to become more agile and advanced uh, in the things of God. And I just want to leave you with this one thing. What's really important is we're seeking to climb. Keep your eyes on Jesus. One of the best things that we can do, here we are, you know, beginning of a new year, Keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's important because if you're climbing a mountain and you, you get distracted by all these other things, it can be really dangerous. So let's keep our eye on the ultimate climber of all, the ultimate adventurer, the, the ultimate mountaineer, the ultimate authority in our lives, Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you found that helpful uh, and encouraging. I'm going to pray for you. Don't forget what we've got coming up today. Starting today, we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I really do believe that this is going to be lay a significant foundation for the year ahead. There will be some resources that are going to be sent out on email uh, and on our social media as well. And we will be having prayer every uh, day at seven o'clock, apart from Sundays when we've got service, but at seven o'clock, We'll be streaming on Facebook and YouTube. So do engage with that. Let's pray right now. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. 
We thank you that you've called us to be more than overcomers through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Father God, we want to climb higher. We want to walk in the fullness of all that you have for us. And we, we just yield to you and we just say, Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us. And we pray that, Lord God, that we will live as people that are obedient to you, that are faithful to you, that fall deeper in love with you, and that we fulfill the plan and purpose that you have for our lives. Lord God, right now, bless every person wherever they are, and I pray that they will know that you are commissioning them to be a blessing to other people as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.